if I were to tell you that everything had been put into place for Israel to start rebuilding the temple, what would your reaction be to that? Some of you guys who know, some of you guys are like, that's really exciting news. I mean, not really that we're going to use the temple, right? <laughs> um, but what it means is that there are some things there. If, if it means that they were building the temple or getting ready to, uh, it, it means several things for us. It means that um, God's word is true and that we're seeing prophecy uh, right in front of our eyes um, being fulfilled. If, if they had the plans ready to, to start building and they said, we're going to start doing it hypothetically is what I'm talking about here. That would mean that, um, that uh, God's word that um, uh, prophesied that another temple, another temple would be built, um, that there'd be a man. Um, his name isn't going to be Antichrist, by the way. It doesn't like Mr. Antichrist. Um, his uh, probably be like, you know, Jedediah. No, I don't even know what his name will be. Um, but uh, Antichrist, by the way, if, 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 you, if you didn't know this, Antichrist, anti just means um, opposed to or in opposition of. So uh, somebody who is the Antichrist is just opposed or in opposition to the Christ against it. Same thing with uh, anti-aircraft guns um, on a ship. Um, uh, that uh, ship doesn't like planes getting close to it, right? So they're oppo- those guns are opposed to uh, planes getting close to them. Um, so anyway, so we've had something, and I want to just take um, you know five or 30 minutes here. Um, and just talk about something that, um, and, and you know, my error has been, cause I started this about a year and a half, probably it was three years ago, realistically, um, started doing a little bit of a prophecy update, uh, each Tuesday night. And I really need to get back uh, to doing that, um, to keep you guys, keep myself in the loop. Um, I read a lot of articles and stuff, so I, I have a pretty good understanding of what's going on and listen to a lot of stuff, but I haven't been conveying that to you guys. Um, in the end times and the return of Christ is something, it's one of three things that Paul tells us in the New Testament not to be ignorant of. Ignorance just means lack of knowing. Um, so, uh, so I have probably failed you guys in the sense of not maybe keeping you, uh, abreast with, uh, some things that are happening, uh, keeping your appetite wet for, uh, for prophecy, um, keeping, uh, uh, keeping you interested in that and, and, um, uh, keeping you moving forward in that. The reason why it's important is because, um, Jesus tells us in Matthew chapter 24, um, he tells us, and that's, if you're a note taker, just write that down. It'll be a chapter you want to look through. I'm going to give you three or four chapters to, to look at. Um, but, but Matthew's, uh, but in Matthew's gospel, he's, uh, he's quoting Jesus about Jesus talking about, uh, the last days, the, the end times and so forth. And, um, throughout Jesus's ministry, he kind of, uh, would throw out these, uh, uh, these examples of always, always having this sense that, um, he was going to come back. That, that he would return at, um, at a specific date and time? No, what is it? At, no man knows, right? But he gives, he gives um, certain parables and so forth of, um, of always being waiting, watching, and ready for his return. And that's what's supposed to be, and that's one of the great things about prophecy. By the way, prophecy makes up about 30% um, of your Bible. Um, and most of that prophecy, prophecy is actually relevant for today and even moving forward. Um, 
So anyways, uh, it's, it's important to know, um, and like I said, one of the reasons, and I have something noted down here, uh, one of the reasons that, um, that we have prophecy, why God has given it to us, um, why Jesus talked about it so much, was it was always meant to encourage us, that we would see certain signs. And Jesus said it like this. He said, there's going to be some things happening in the world, and it's going to be like this. Um, you're going to see a little thing over here and you're like, well, that could kind of be what the Bible's talking about. And then you might go a really long time. You might go decades and you're like, well, there's a little something over there and that could be what the Bible talks about. And then you just go 20 years down the road and you're like, well, there's something. And then you go 10 years down the road and you're like, well, here's another thing that the Bible, and the next thing you start getting down to five years down the road, right? We started out at, you know, 40, 50 years, a hundred years. Now you're five years. Well, that looks like that could have something tied in the scripture. And then you get into a year down the road and you're like, well, that could have, that could have scriptural uh, implications. And then you start getting down to six months and you're like, well, every six months, it's like we're seeing something that looks like it could be tied into biblical prophecy. And then you start getting down to four months and three months and then one month. And you're like, man, we're starting to see all these things that looks like it's what the Bible has been talking about. And then you start getting down to weeks and then you start getting down into days. And you're like, man, there's all this stuff going on. I, I think that this is the very end. And you get down to one day and then all of a sudden, boom. If you're a Christian, you're out of here because Jesus has returned. I shouldn't say returned. Jesus will call us from the skies. He first calls us. He doesn't come back to earth the second time. He calls us from the heavenlies, calls us up to meet with him in the air. Then he's going to come back later on. Uh, That's not going to be real pretty. It's not going to be real great for the world. But so we had something interesting happen last week. And I am not here to say that this is the beginning of the end, that this is the sign of all signs. But we do know this. Scripture has been very clear. It has been very clear that there will be another temple in Jerusalem built. And the only place that, it, that it's going to be built is going to be on the Temple Mount there in Jerusalem. Uh, right now, the Muslims control it. Uh, Islam controls it. There's the uh, Alaska uh, Mosque that is there. If you just Google, do an aerial image, you'll see it has a big gold dome on it and so forth. And they kind of control that, that area up there on the Temple Mount. Um, Israel is a phenomenal city. If you don't know anything, let me just kind of just whet your appetite here. Israel is an amazing city because it's the one city in the world that God has chosen to be his city. In the Old Testament, remember when we were coming across the Jordan River and coming into the land with the Israelites and God says, when, when I tell you the place where I tell you to build the temple and so forth. He says, I, the name that I put, the place that I put my name on, he said, that's the place where you will worship me. Until that time, they, the, the tabernacle kind of moved around from place to place. God chooses Jerusalem specifically as the city that he has put his name upon. And he has chosen the Jews specifically as the people that he has put his name upon. And he has chosen them as his people. You read through the Old Testament and it is chosen, chosen, chosen. I've told you guys this before, that in scripture we're known, the church is known as the bride of Christ. But look for this, search it in, search it in the Old Testament. Israel is called the wife of God. 
So there's a special, very unique relationship there that God has with the people of Israel and with Jerusalem. Now, the problem is this. You have uh, several people claiming uh, ownership of Jerusalem, and, uh, and that's caused quite a feud. So you have uh, uh, the, Arab, um, the Arab Muslims. Uh, they're, they're claiming that as their worship center. They say that Muhammad came down, ascended from the clouds, touched down there. Um, and so that's a holy place for them. Of course, the Jews, that's a holy place for them because that's where uh, the temples were built. Uh, the Muslims say, we see no temple. We don't see no temple. And Israel's like, well, let us dig. We'll show you a temple, right? Because it's been destroyed, but the remains are there. Um, and they say, no, 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 no digging. Uh, you're not allowed to dig. Um, but the remains are there. Um, and, and we know that they're there. We've seen, uh, we've seen some of the remains. So anyway, so this is, so what happened last Wednesday was President Trump came out um, and uh, President Trump came out and he said, I'm going to move our embassy from Tel Aviv over into Jerusalem. And when the United States does that, what United States is proclaiming is that we believe that the capital of Jerusalem, because you put your embassies, capitals, and so forth, we we're taking, we believe that the capital of Israel is Jerusalem. Now, obviously, the other side, the Palestinians and so forth, they're going sideways about all this because they believe that the city's really theirs, Right? Do you, do you remember why they believe? I'm trying not to tell too much to all of this, teach too much. But do you remember why they believe that that land is theirs? It all goes back to Abraham had a couple sons. Do you remember the first son of Abraham? Remember, couldn't have, God said, you'll have, you'll, you'll have a child. They gave it some time, didn't have a child. Sarah said, hey, take my, my maidservant. What was her name? Yeah. And said, why don't you produce a child? Because God did say you'd have a child. Abraham was an old dude too at the time. But anyways, produced what man? Ishmael. The child born of a slave that we'd learn later on in the New Testament, the understanding of what all that means. But then later on, God fulfilled his promise, didn't he? And Abraham and, uh, uh, <laughs> Abraham and his wife, Sarah, whose womb was dried up. She didn't have the capacity to have a child. Miraculously, God opens up her womb. She's able to conceive um, with Abraham, and they have a son by the name of what? By Isaac, and he's a child of the promise. God fulfilled his promise to him. Well, what the fight over in the whole Middle East is this. The descendants of Ishmael say, we're firstborn. We have precedent. It's our land. But the, the, the descendants of Isaac say, no, no, no. The promise came through, up, through us. It went through, it went through Abraham, then down to Isaac, uh, then down to Jacob, whose name later on was turned to Israel, who gave birth to the 12 sons who would be leaders of the 12 tribes of Israel. Okay? So that's what the big war is for, for who has all of this. Um, so our president comes out and he says, I'm going to move our embassy from Tel Aviv, Israel, over into Jerusalem. By the way, interesting side note here. You can stump your friends with it. Israel is the only place, it's the only city in the world that's not uh, technically attached to a country. So if you're right, if you have a friend over in Israel, you write uh, Joe Bob Finetti, Israel. You, you put 1432 uh, Sparrow's Way and you just write Israel. That's all you do. There's no, or I'm sorry, Jerusalem. You just write Jerusalem. You don't put Israel, just Jerusalem. 
And everybody knows that's where it goes. It's not technically tied down. What the U.S. is going to do is we're going to say, we believe, by doing this, we believe that Jerusalem is the rightful capital of Israel. That's going to send a lot of people sideways, okay? But let me tell you what. Because you may be, you may be like, well, I don't agree with our administration, what he's doing. Did you know that back in 1995, the U.S. had decided with our president, um, Clinton, Clinton and the Senate got together, said, hey, they ratified it. And they said, we are going to move our embassy to Jerusalem. And thus we will, we will clarify that the U.S. stands with Israel, that Jerusalem is Israel's and it's not anybody else's. In 1995. And then you know what happened. They gave them a couple years to get that established. And then they put something else in there, um, kind of a byline that said, um, if we don't get this accomplished in six months, uh, you have to sign another document and extend, extend our, um, our, our um, declaration another six months. So from the time of Clinton all the way through, we have, uh, have another Bush. We have a Bush in there, right? Then we have, uh, we have an Obama in there. Um, we have a Trump in there. You know what all of those presidents have done? Is every six months they say, I don't want to be the one that moves our embassy in there. I don't want to stir this pot. And you know what? We have a president that said, um, we said we would do this um, 22 years ago. And everybody's just been pushing it off. And you know what? Our president came out and said, whether or not you like the guy, you don't have to like the guy to understand his, his decision. And he said, it's the right thing to do. Jerusalem belongs to Israel. Now, this is why it's important that Jerusalem, that Israel can claim Jerusalem, at least in regards to this somehow, is because this very well could, and, and it may completely just fall apart, very well could be that this will start the groundwork Somebody's going to come in and do the deal of a lifetime, the deal of the century, the deal of the millennium, uh, whatever it may be, the, the deal of mankind. And they're actually going to come in and do a peace agreement between the Israelis and the Arabs. And it's going to allow Israel to build their temple up on the Temple Mount. Supposedly, everybody's supposed to be happy. It's going to be a seven-year treaty that's going to be signed. Isn't that amazing? That's going to, now, that's going to happen. Now, um, we know that that's going to happen. We just don't know when that's going to happen. But these are all things that we should start taking note of and saying, think about this, guys. In 1910, in 1920, 30, early 1940s, Bible commentators and teachers scratched their head and they said, we have no idea how this temple is even going to be rebuilt because Israel doesn't even exist as a country. There was no country Israel. It was destroyed. It was essentially Jerusalem was destroyed back in 70 AD, almost 2000 years ago, was destroyed. And then the diaspora is what we call it, where the Jews essentially just went out into all the other countries. They were dispersed into all the other countries. We call it the diaspora. And then in May 14th, 1948, through the little bit of help of the UN, Israel was given some land, kind of land that nobody else wanted. Israel was given some land and Israel in one single day was declared a country. No country has ever been completely disbanded and then ever come back again. But God's word said 
that there will be an Israel in the last days. There will be a Jerusalem. There will be a temple. There will be an Antichrist. There will be all of these things. And people on May, you know, in, in May of 1948 were like, we just don't understand how this could ever be. And then in one day, May 14th, 1948, Israel becomes a country. And all of a sudden, everybody's like, Jesus is coming back. <laughs> I mean, I can only imagine what it was like for the Bible teachers back then. Jesus is coming. Well, let me say this. When we start getting news that there are now possibly at least some direction or some movement. I'm not saying we, we know that the, the building of the temple, um, or sorry, the building of the embassy relocating it could take a couple years if they even get that accomplished. But what it does mean is this. We start to see these little pieces, and it's like, wow, could that be? What scripture is talking, can, can it be moving in that direction? And I think in all generality, yeah, I think it's a general move. Now, if, if this movement continues to move or not, we don't know, move forward. But what it means is now that the cart has been nudged a little bit, it has a tendency to just have a little bit of momentum for the next person to come along, the next person to come along, next person to come along. I want you guys to read Daniel chapter 9. It's the last part of Daniel chapter 9 because it talks about the Antichrist. Um, second Corinthians, uh, um, second Thessalonians chapter two talks about, uh, the return, the antichrist. Um, and we're going to be getting into Thessalonians pretty soon. As soon as we finish up Colossians, it's uh, going to be the next book there. So we're going to be uh, in Thessalonians is, um, is, is steeped in prophecy. Okay. There's a lot of stuff there. So this is just going to start a habit, um, of what we're, um, I hope to continue to do, um, uh, from here on out till the Lord comes back. Not only is prophecy meant to encourage us. Remember the book of revelation when we studied that together, we said that what the book of, because today people are all confused by it. In 90 AD, when the book was written, it was a great source of encouragement to the persecuted church that Jesus is coming back. They, were, they read it and they're like, woo, woo. We read it today because we're not looking for Jesus's return. And we're like, we don't know that. We mean dragon, dragon, dragon in the Bible. I don't see no dragon, right? And that's what happens because the church that's not looking for her groom isn't going to understand what's going on around her, is she? No, she's not. So uh, let me also say this before we move on. Then I promise we'll move on. Um, the posture of the church in general today across denominations, its prophecy is not really that important. I'm not saying that they say there's no use for it. I'm just saying that for the most part, the general attitude is just, um, it's not like super duper important. Um, it would fall under, there's a lot of churches that believe that the Old Testament's not important, and then you put prophecy even underneath that, kind of like, well, we don't really need to worry about that kind of a deal. If you're not, here's the deal, if you're not living for his return, what are you living for? The answer would have to be yourself, your own life. And that's where we make the big mistakes. That's where we, we run into the disappointments, living for ourselves um, rather than for our Savior. Okay?